The Start On Demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Wednesday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast. And today we are going to talk about heat stroke with this extreme heat coming our way in the coming days, low to mid 30s. How do you prevent getting heat stroke? Also, we're going to honor hockey legend Stan Makita by speaking with a former teammate and good friend of his, Ab McDonald. Winnipeg Beer Festival happens this weekend. We'll speak with the organizer as well as a local brewmaster. And Hoops from the Heart, a wonderful event that's been going on now for 10 years. Greg Mackling has a special connection to this event. We will hear all of that coming up on the Mackling and McGarry CJOB Morning Show podcast. warm as it is today, it's going to get even warmer as we head towards the weekend. And Brett, that can cause uh, serious health repercussions for many in our society. That's right. And we are expecting prolonged periods of extreme heat over the next few days. This weekend in particular is going to be just sweltering. 34 degrees as we heard Friday, 36 on Saturday. Yikes. Curious to see what the Humidex is going to be on that. So we want to understand what the toll is going to be on our health. We've reached out to an expert. You actually just heard her in Global News at 6.30 with Jeff Braun on how you can prevent getting heat stroke. We're joined live on CJOB by Dr. Hee-Jun Chang, Medical Officer of Health with the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Dr. Chang, good morning to you. Good morning. So before we ask about symptoms and, and how to prevent it, is when we talk about heat stroke, is it the same thing as heat exhaustion? Uh, heat stroke is a medical emergency, so it requires immediate medical attention. And heat exhaustion, you can kind of think of it as a precursor. Uh, the a person will feel quite unwell. They might be faint, dizzy, nauseous. Uh, they might have trouble breathing and You'll expect that they have spent a good portion of the like a, a good portion of time in the heat, and maybe they're dehydrated. So you want to move them out of the heat immediately, cool them down as much as you can, like sponge them off, and watch them. And what you're looking for is to see if they're getting better, if they're starting to revive. If not, they might be headed towards heat stroke, and that's when you want to call 911. Um, heat stroke itself. Uh, is the person would be sort of decompensating. You'd expect their consciousness, maybe they'll pass, they'll lose consciousness altogether or have sort of a slight loss of consciousness. They may stop sweating. So their skin will be red hot and dry. So that's a very bad sign too. Um, prior to that, they might start acting extremely confused, like more so than normal, not just faint and exhausted, but actually not making sense. So that's when you're worried about heat stroke. And that shows that the body's temperature, the internal temperature would have gone up to 40 degrees. So Dr. Chang, the reason we wanted to bring you back on the air is just to talk about how we can prevent this thing and in greater detail and to make sure that we don't get anywhere near the point mm-hmm. of where we're even concerned about this. Uh, I've seen some crazy amounts of water in terms of suggestions <laughs> to keep yourselves hydrated like a liter an hour. I don't know anybody right. who, who can who can do that, especially if you're working outside. That, that would take up a, a good chunk of your time to be consuming that. And then, of course, if you're not vaccinated, uh, Operating or, or sweating it out, you have to get rid of it other ways. What, <laughs> what are what are some parameters in terms of consumption of, of liquids? Well, first of all, yeah, water is the uh, best choice for liquid to hydrate yourself with, and. Uh, 
You know what I usually say is uh, to have a few sips every hour at least. Um, obviously, it depends on the individual person and what they're doing. But just to remember to take a few sips. Don't wait till you're thirsty. And yeah, don't you don't need to guzzle a giant bottle of water um, all at once. Uh, taking a few sips, you know, every hour. Remember, to just take a few sips throughout the day before you're thirsty. Should keep you hydrated enough. Obviously, if you're very active outside, you might need more. Um, and you might end up drinking more water than you normally do, you know, when it's not a super hot day. And this is particularly important for people who are spending a long time in the heat, whether they're working outside, for example, or if you live somewhere that uh, doesn't cool down very well, like if you have an apartment that's not air conditioned and maybe faces south and you're not able to get out. So just remember to drink a bit more water during the day and try to keep yourself as cool as possible and maybe limit your activities as well. I'm glad you mentioned that people are working outside because we had a listener actually reach out about that, and we want to ask you more about that in a moment. But still on the subject of things that you're consuming, I mean, summertime for a lot of us means getting outside, hang whether it's just hanging out, or I like to spend time on the golf course. And I do drink a lot of water, but I also drink other things <laughs> while I'm on yeah. the golf course. Um, how important is it to... I guess, limit your consumption when you are out on a very hot day? Well, I don't have any rules of thumb. Everyone should be aware of their limits. But alcohol does sort of, too much alcohol definitely would run the risk of uh, eventually dehydrating yourself more. And maybe also kind of um, sort of uh, not being able to monitor your own symptoms very well, feeling uh, better than you actually might. So, you know, just have a plan in advance. If you're going to have to consume some alcohol, make sure you're also consuming some water. And same thing applies of if you're outside all day, like on the golf course, take frequent breaks, uh, maybe more often than you would normally on a less hot day. So seek some shade and just rest for a bit. And everything, I would just sort of say, to slow everything down, to take it easier, drink a little more slowly, make sure you supplement some water as well, and uh, find some shade every once in a while and take a break. Dr. Heejun Chang is medical officer of health with the WRHA. We're talking about this extreme heat that is in the forecast, trying to keep you safe and keep you healthy. One thing that uh, I've also heard, uh, in particular with regard to people that spend a lot of time maybe working outside, is this whole idea of dumping a, a bucket or a, or, or, a, or a water bottle of ice-cold water over your head. That can have uh, disastrous ramifications, can it not? Uh, I hadn't heard that. Um, basically, having uh, the reason we sweat is to uh, allow that evaporation process on the surface of the skin. So the, having that moisture on the surface of the skin helps you kind of cool off. It's one of our cooling mechanisms. So I, I don't necessarily think everyone needs to go dump a bucket of ice cold water on their head. <laughs> it feels good at the time, though. I, I, I don't have any specific recommendations against it. Okay. <laughs> what about, uh, I once heard, and maybe this falls into the urban myth category, but I once heard that if you have been spending it, like let's say you're out in the yard cutting the grass, pulling weeds, whatever, and you've been outside for a while and you're parched and you go inside and you guzzle uh, ice cold water, can that kind of, I think what I heard was it can kind of put your body into a shock almost. Is there any truth to that? Well, what I would say to that, first of all, is not to let it get that far. <laughs> but yeah, if you're going to go quench your thirst, uh, you often only need a few sips. And really, I would like to go back to the recommendation of just continuously having a few sips of water, you know, all, during the period of time that you're spending time in the heat, just continuously have a sip, sip, and um, to prevent that sort of parched sensation and 
uh, after being in the heat for too long. So the dehydration is one of the biggest uh, um, dangers of moving into worse health outcomes. How important is a hat if you're spending a lot of time outside? Does it make a difference? Well, yeah, the radiant heat from the sun. So you notice, of course, that if you move into a shade, uh, it's, it just feels a few degrees cooler. That radiant direct sunlight is more heating for sure. And uh, the hat, I guess, serves two purposes. One is that it per- sort of shields off that radiant heat and maybe provides a little extra protection for not getting too hot. But it also protects your skin from the UV rays, which is another concern on a hot, sunny day. How about food? Is is food important and caloric uh, intake uh, something that we should be cognizant of as well, Dr. Chang? Oh, certainly. If, uh, I find many people often lose their appetite when it's very hot out, but it's important to to eat, eat what you normally would eat, um, not to uh, go without because uh, that makes you weaker and maybe more susceptible to not feeling well. Uh, some of the things we do recommend, some people live in, um, say, an apartment that doesn't have air conditioning, and often some settings like that actually collect the heat during the day. So besides other safety precautions, such as blocking off the windows on very hot days to prevent the radiant heat from getting in and opening the windows at night to let in the cool air, one of the other recommendations we do sometimes make is to not uh, maybe limit the amount of cooking and heating of food that you're doing to keep that in, indoor temperature as low as possible. So that's perhaps like make make more salads or sandwiches. <laughs> uh, so that's more of a protective thing to keep the indoor temperature cool. Maybe one final question here. You, you mentioned that heat stroke is an immediate uh, medical emergency. What happens if heat stroke goes too long and without being treated? Well, you've basically overwhelmed your body's uh, thermoregulation. That's a fancy word for keeping your body temperature. So that can throw off all your internal processes. So you might go into some sort of shock. So it's a, it's a fairly serious condition. All right, Dr. He Jun Chang, thank you so much uh, for giving us a few moments of your time this morning on this uh, important subject. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Dr. He Jun Chang, Medical Officer of Health with the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. So yeah, if you're out in the golf course and you you know you might say, well, there's water and beer. You know, hey, we can all joke around about that stuff, but it, it, it can sneak up on you. Like I said, I was kind of scared that day. I ref, 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 referenced earlier how one day it was four degrees on Monday and then by Sunday it was 30 degrees and I was kind of overwhelmed by the heat on the golf course and I had to stop and sit down and drink some water and have something to eat because had I kept going, I may have, I, who knows, maybe I'd have passed out. I don't know. I've been to Blue Bomber games in November where people who have consumed uh, something other than water think it's a good idea to take off their shirt when it's 10 or 15 degrees below zero. <laughs> so uh, we know, and I think Dr. Chang was alluding to the fact that sometimes our bodies can trick us or our brains can trick us into what our bodies are feeling based on what we're consuming. An NHL legend passed away yesterday. Stan Mikita helped the Chicago Blackhawks to the 1961 Stanley Cup title while becoming one of the franchise's most revered figures. He was 78 years old. Ab McDonald is a former teammate and good friend of the now late Stan Mikita. He joins us live on 680 CJOB. Good morning, Ab. Good morning, gentlemen. Well, uh, our condolences uh, to you, Ab. This is, uh, I know, a, a difficult day, and uh, the news 
uh, must have uh, been difficult to, to receive. Well, it, it, it was, you know, as much as I knew that it was, it was coming because I talked to his, his wife and daughter last week and he said he didn't think he'd last a week last week. But no matter what, he's got such a great friend of mine for the last 58 years. You can't believe it. And uh, as I say, what great friends in 58 years of playing hockey and golf and everything together. We never had a bad word said amongst us against one another it's uh it's just a very very sad day for me well ab uh, kelly moore is here but the kind of the veteran here and of course our our uh, sports director and we wanted to bring him on this discussion as well ab uh, the boys were just mentioning uh that uh, uh the blackhawks uh, won that stanley cup back in 1961 ending the curse of pete muldoon and of course you were part of that team and you had a chance to see firsthand uh, the the magic work of Stan Makita and Bobby Hall as a teammate uh, and also a guy who saw Hall with Hedberg and Nilsson. Uh, uh, but it was first it was Makita, though, wasn't it? Well, certainly I played with Stan for four years down there. We were the uh, uh, first year we in, I went to Chicago and met Stan and uh, had played against him and whatnot. But uh, from the day in training camp that we met and uh, we started playing together, Stan and I, along with Kenny Warman, which they dubbed us the Scooter Line. As my friend Glenn Hall says, there's only one Scooter Line app. You know that. <laughs> so, we've, well, it's, uh, it's always somebody saying, well, there's another Scooter Line. They say, no, there's only one Scooter Line in Chicago. They knew that. Anyhow, I was very, very fortunate to be able to play with some hockey greats through my career in Montreal. Uh, Chicago, uh, Detroit, you name it, uh, some great, great hockey players. And uh, when we won the Cup in, in, in 61, it was a great day for, for me, too, because I was, I had, it just so happened that I scored the winning goal. Yeah. The deciding goal on the Stanley Cup final in 61 and beat, uh, prior to that, uh, I did with Montreal. And we uh, beat there like 10 years ago, I said, we were golfing in Florida, Stan said, Ab, do you remember what you told me? And I said, yes, Stan, I do. He said, you told us we were going to beat these guys. We play the right way, and we'll beat the Montreal Canadiens. And, and sure enough, we did. We, uh, we did. We, uh, we charted our way through the, uh, the, the uh, playoffs, and we did that for a number of years. Four years I played with Stan. We just... Uh, he was a student of the game, and he he, he had all the tools, and uh, he loved to he loved to fight the the little DP was as he called himself. He could go out there; he wasn't going to let anybody beat him. And and uh, I got into a lot of a lot of corners to get Stan out there. I never let that little guy get beat. So uh, the only the only time I ever used to, and everybody would say it was. Uh, Henry Richard and uh, Stan called him Hank. He'd say, Hank, you want to go now? <laughs> and, that's, and everybody would say, okay, let, let those two guys go. They can, we can see a good Bantam boat here today. <laughs> so we would, and they, could, and they could both fight those two little guys, I'll tell you. And uh, they were two great hockey players. And it's, uh, Stanley just, uh, he, he just... Uh, uh, you know, he turned his game around after he <laughs> decided that 
said it was his agent and whatnot. I said, look at Stan, you want to make some money? He said, you better start playing another game. Yeah. <laughs> said, you got all the tools. And uh, he did. And, of course, uh, uh, he won the, the Hart Trophy and Art Ross and the lady being two years in a row running all three of them, which was really unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, they they always ask me who was the greatest player that I ever played with. And, you know, uh, Kelly, that I played with some great, great hockey players from Montreal with the Bellabos and Jeffrey Ons, Dickie Moore and uh, Rocket and Henry and Gordie Howe, you name it. I played with all those guys. I played on the same line with them all. And, and uh, they they asked me, who was, and I, I always say, stand till the end. They, I said, you know what? And this guy was a pretty good player. Can you believe he won these trophies two years in a row? Nobody had ever done it before. So you can imagine, uh, he was uh, he was quite the competitor. He he just uh, as I say, he was a student of the game. He uh, we worked everything out. We we sat at lunch more times than enough. Was moving the salt shakers and pepper shakers around and <laughs> say what we were going to do for the game and and what we did and and we did uh, you know years. For the four years of there, we stayed out after practice, Stan and I, and our formative years, and and passed the puck in, across the ice as hard as he could, fed it out of the corner on the net, and he tipped them in when I shot them, and uh, he just he just did everything. I was, you know, we we did it together, and uh, what a great time it was with that. Uh, with that guy, I just uh, loved. And I and can you imagine watching this guy? Four years in a row, I play with. So now you not only watch you play against him, but you play with him, and, and you're with him in practice and watching like, the magic of his his hockey stick and uh, how he could handle that puck and uh, unbelievable, you know, to start um, things off. Uh, yep, we're uh, we're we're, uh, we're out of time here, Rob. But uh, I could listen to those <laughs> stories all morning long. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking us down memory lane. Well, I, I just, uh, I feel so bad, but I just, uh, I know he's in a better place now. He's, he's had a tough go with the last while. We've, uh, we've always been able to go down there and visit and uh, winter, summer, and you name it. We've stayed with them, and they're, we, we were great, great friends. So. Matt McDonald, thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Once again, former teammate and good friend of hockey legend Stan Makita, who died this week. I'm Greg, he's Brett, and McGarry, uh, you and I like to support local, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of conversations on that front, including this one. That's for right. the next few minutes. Yes, I went to this event last year, and it was amazing, so I was devastated to learn <laughs> when I found out it's happening this year, because I'm out of town this weekend for the annual Laker Classic Golf Tournament, but I still want to tell you about it because there are still some tickets left for the 2018 Winnipeg Beer Festival. Locally brewed beer will be on tap 
this Sunday. It takes place at Fort Gibraltar, and it's in support of a very good cause. So to get a preview, we're joined live in studio by Sean Branson, who is organizer of the Winnipeg Beer Festival, among many other things, and Paul McMullen, president of Stone Angel Brewing Company. Gentlemen, good morning to you. Morning. Good morning. So, Sean, uh, last year I thought the event was great. What did you think of it? I think it was a great start. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, eight brewers uh, at the event. Uh, they they put on a great show. This year we have over twelve. Uh, so I mean, the brewing, uh, uh, you know, community has grown so much locally. Uh, but it, all of the brewers are part of uh, uh, our brood here in Winnipeg. So it's a great event to support local. So some people associate beer drinking with uh, slothery and just kind of <laughs> laying around and not doing very much and accomplishing nothing. But then you have this uh, sort of uh, uh, opposite effect when it comes to uh, micro brews and locally brewed beer as though that, you know, that now you're, you're a beer snob, right? So how, yeah. how do we bridge the difference and meet somewhere in the middle here? Well, I mean, quality is quality. I mean, uh, the, the local brew pe- people that are in our market are, are making amazing products, uh, you know. So I mean, you there might be some pinkies raised as they drink their beers. I don't I think there'll be less of that. But to lighten the mood, we have voyageurs actually at Fort Gibraltar that are going to be doing some uh, different drinking competitions, uh, Cledonc, uh, as well as uh, we have a working blacksmith there. So we were animating the fort a lot. Uh, so you have other things to do, maybe a push-up contest or two, uh, uh, you know. But we have all these things happening at uh, this year's beer fest. And there is, uh, is the poutine back? The poutine is back and uh, very popular last year. Uh, uh, we have the entire Great Hall, which accommodates 160 people, uh, broken into three poutine stations. So there is uh, all the beer that you uh, that you want, as well as all the poutine you want at this event. Now, Paul McMullen, president of Stone Angel Brewing Company. What kind of beer? Well, you brought us some beer to try, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm actually, uh, it's very distracting. But what, uh, how would you describe Stone Angel Brewing to someone who is unfamiliar with your product? Um, well, um, we are a uh, small group of three partners uh, who uh, got it running out of the gate just after this festival last year. So we've been up in, up in business just shy of a year now. And uh, our brewery... Uh, we're more European in terms of our approach. So our beer is a little bit less aggressively hopped than North American styles, a little bit lower alcohol designed to be, you know, enjoyed and savored and not necessarily pounded back. Uh, but uh, exciting news about uh, asking the brewery itself is that uh, we've just sort of uh, taken in some uh, wayward travelers. Uh, Kilter Brewing and Devil May Care Brewing have just joined us in our facility. They had some setbacks uh, in their quest to start their own places. And since uh, we had a bit of extra capacity, they have joined us. So Stone Angel is now three breweries under one roof. So right. how, do you, how do you overcome that perception that uh, drinking a beer from a, from a smaller brewery is a, kind of a snobbish thing? Am, am I out to lunch on this, guys? Or that, that's kind of my perception when I break, break out my favorite local brew is that it's kind of like, oh... When did you become such a fancy pants? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there, there are, well, as with anything, there, are, there will be some people who look down at you for drinking some of the macros, and there will be people who think you're fancy for drinking um, some of the, the local product. The reality is, as uh, Sean was saying, it's good beer and it's local. Uh, one thing that we can do locally that the macros can't is we can serve fresh, unpasteurized, uh, unpasteurized beer. So the beer you're drinking was made in the last, you know, day, week, month, 
as opposed to made somewhere else and shipped across the globe. How long does that does that unpasteurized beer last in my fridge? Because I'm not an aggressive beer drinker. I'll have a couple here and there, but I often have more in stock than I'm drinking. Well, I mean, if you're talking growlers, days. If you're talking cans and bottles, months. Okay. Okay, so if you go out and buy a pack of the... You know, a 12 Stone Angel cans, Absolutely. They, they can stick around? Okay. Yeah, you're, there's, there's no requirement that you pound them all in one, one go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're not opposed to that. I might, I'm, yeah, I might not uh, take that advice. <laughs> no, Sean, uh, one of the things that, one of the other cool things about the event last year as well is I, I was actually introduced to Capital K Distillery. Right. Are they going to be back this year? They're back again. They're uh, the only... Uh, Sort of spirit that will be offered at the event. Uh, they'll be doing some cocktails right when you uh, when you enter uh, this year as well. Uh, we had tickets for everything this year. It's just uh, an event where you just get to enjoy the beers. There's no ticketing involved, so uh, everyone was very responsible last year, and uh, we'll continue that. But there's no tickets this year for the actual samples. So you can go around, you can sample as many as you want. You can go back and visit another uh, another area, and uh, yeah, it's it's this Sunday, and it's going to be. Phenomenal. Got to ask you about that. Last year was on a Saturday. Right. Why is it on a Sunday this year? Well, the honest truth is, uh, like, we were the caterer at Fort Gibraltar, very busy place, over 80 weddings each year, and there was no Saturdays available when we picked the dates. And so this year it's uh, Sunday. Uh, Now that uh, the Manitoba Brewing Association is on board with this event, and it's a sanctioned event, we've booked the next four years on Saturdays uh, about this time, the second week uh, of the month, and uh, that'll, that's what it'll be going forward. But this year it's a Sunday, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun Sunday. So an opportunity to remind people, if you want to get married and have reception at Fort Gibraltar <laughs> in the next few years, you might want to get on that yeah, because those... there's, there is one less Saturday to choose from in the in the summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want a uh, second weekend of August, you got to book six years in advance because we're, <laughs> we're locked in there for the beer fest. Well, I was actually at a wedding at Fort right. Gibraltar in the winter uh, earlier this year, and it was uh, the first time I'd been to a, such an event there. And I, yeah, so I got to go to the fort last year for Beer Fest, and then this year, how many tickets are left for this thing? Not I think many. There's right? about fifty left, yeah, for this event. So uh, you know, tickets are on Eventbrite. You can go to uh, WinnipegBeerFest.com, and there's a link right there, or you can search it on Eventbrite. Uh, our Facebook page as well. Just look up Winnipeg Beer Fest and uh, the tickets, there's a direct link right there. So, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, if you're looking for to taste some cold ones on a nice hot summer day in a really nice place, you got to check this event out. I had so much fun last year and I really, like, I'm not exaggerating. I was devastated, just so saddened when I learned that I wasn't going to be in town for this. want to make sure that we point out that this is for a good cause as well, real quick. It is, Sean. yeah. So we're raising money for, for uh, Kenya Kids Initiative. Uh, they were there last year. We have a 50-50 draw as well as uh, giving away some raffle prizes. So it helps uh, kids in, in Kenya uh, with different projects. Uh, we're also raising money for the Manitoba Brewing Association. So proceeds uh, for this event will go to them so they can, uh, you know, uh, improve their services and things like that. And that's what it'll be going forward. Sean Branson, organizer of the Winnipeg Beer Festival happening this Sunday at Fort Gibraltar and Paul McMullen, president of Stone Angel Brewing Company. I'm excited to try what you brought us, Paul. You mentioned I've been doing this with you for almost two years now. Uh, I've known this man for almost, it's hard to believe it's been almost a decade. I remember when the second 
uh, what has become an annual event. It's called Hoops from the Heart, organized uh, by, amongst others, Dr. Grant Pierce of the St. Boniface Hospital Research Center, Albrechtson Center of Fine Research here in the city of uh, Winnipeg. Dr. Pierce joins us on the telephone uh, right now. Grant, uh, great to uh, get some time with you on the phone or otherwise. Thank you very much for having me. Well, this event has really... uh, it's stolen my heart, and you know, uh, you're a busy guy, I'm a busy guy, everyone involved in this organization and the organizing committee are very vi- busy people, but uh, it's a very worthwhile event we're putting on tonight. Why don't you uh, tell folks what we're up to? Well, this is our 10th annual. Uh, every year we put this on, and it brings together the best basketball players that Manitoba have. University of Manitoba, University of Winnipeg, uh, and uh, Manitoba All-Stars all get together at the University of Winnipeg uh, for a men's and women's basketball game. And we bring in 150 inner-city kids, underprivileged kids who don't usually get the opportunity to come into the University of Winnipeg and experience uh, the majesty there and the opportunities They get to watch the game. We provide them with a meal. We provide them with a Hoops from the Heart uh, T-shirt that gets all autographed by all the players uh, during the game. And uh, then they get a basketball to take home that's that's, uh, autographed by one of the players. And in the process, um, uh, a lot of people work hard to to, uh, provide this opportunity for them. And, And we also provide a scholarship now at the University of Winnipeg and another one at the University of Manitoba uh, that's specifically for an inner-city kid to uh, go to school at, at uh, either of those institutions and play basketball for them and give them, again, an opportunity to get an education that perhaps they didn't think they had the, the chance to have. So it's, it's a wonderful evening. It occurs tonight. At, uh, the first game is the men's game at 6.15, immediately followed by the women's game at about 7.30. So, Dr. Pierce, this is uh, in support of helping to fight heart disease, which is the number one cause of death in Manitoba today. And that that <clears throat> that kind of surprises me that that's still the number one cause of death. What are some of the factors that that are leading to this being the, the top cause of death in our province? Well, that's a great question. I think people, uh, when you think of heart disease, most people would think of uh, high cholesterol as being a major factor, and and it is, but four times uh, more important as a risk factor for heart disease is high blood pressure. High blood pressure is uh, a particularly dangerous uh, risk factor for heart disease because most people don't even realize they have it. Even when you have emergency, urgency levels of uh, high blood pressure, which uh, can cause an imminent heart attack or stroke, most people uh, have no idea that they have such high blood pressure. So those are two of the major factors and and, uh, constant monitoring of blood pressure, you know, by going into Shoppers Drug Mart or any place like that to get your blood pressure done or, or getting you know, purchasing a, a blood pressure monitoring device uh, to do it yourself at home is an important way to uh, keep tabs on how your blood pressure is. You mentioned cholesterol. I mean, that's something that we can we can monitor, especially if we know we're we're putting garbage into our body. You know, if I go out uh, and, and eat a bag of potato chips and then go to my, go to a fast food restaurant or whatever, that's clearly I'm clearly going to have problems. But you say. 
you don't necessarily know that you've got high blood pressure. So what causes, typically causes high blood pressure? Well, there's a number of factors that cause high blood pressure, uh, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, stress, a variety of different things will cause high blood pressure and a, and a lot of factors we still don't know about and, and will require, require research to understand more about what causes uh, high blood pressure. And, and as far as the high cholesterol, I'm sure the two of you never have, uh, you know, chips or go to fast food places. I know Greg doesn't, so. That's right, Grant. That's, that's not, a, that's not a, a worry at all. A steady, a steady diet of broccoli and celery here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So this event then tonight, how much, do you know how much money you guys have raised over the last decade? Ooh, that's a good question. We're nearing uh, the point that the goal has been to get $20,000 in the scholarships for uh, the University of Winnipeg and another 20000 for the University of Manitoba because then it can be used uh, permanently to provide scholarship year after year after year uh, forever, really, uh, for, for these inner-city kids. So we're way above... $40,000, I mean, uh, providing food for 150 kids and a T-shirt um, and a basketball all costs a lot of money. And so we've had a great bunch of sponsors, Boston Pizza, Clay Oven, uh, Basketball Manitoba, RBC, I, I, I could go on and on, Pratt's Food Service, uh, Home Run Sports, and the government of Manitoba uh, have have really helped out to make this a reality year after year after year. I mean, 10 years is a long time to do this. So we've had thousands of kids uh, now that we've helped here in the inner city. And it really provides them with, uh, you know, some something special for them, um, which maybe most kids would get, uh, but the inner city kids certainly don't. And, and they love it. They have a great time, and it's an exciting time for them to come to the University of Winnipeg, as is happening tonight. Dr. Grant Pierce joining us, talking about hoops from the heart. Happens tonight, the University of Winnipeg Duckworth Centre. We invite you to come down, check out the basketball, some of the best basketball you'll see, uh, certainly over the summer here in this part of the world. And uh, Dr. Pierce, when you mention the kids and just the look on their faces when they meet the players and they get their basketballs or their or their T-shirt sign is certainly something special. But uh, the players, the players all give cash for participating in this game. But they also get something really special, and that's that's kind of that uh, interaction with these young people who kind of there's a hero worship thing going on for sure. It's it's a lot of fun to watch that too. Uh, the kids actually come down and swarm the players when they're on the bench to get their T-shirts signed. We give them uh, sharpies to to sign their shirts and I think they're a little when it's the first time they've played it they're a little shocked by the adoration that is that is uh, given to them but it's a lot of fun to watch both sides get excited about it um 
you know, we've had kids go home uh, six years old, seven years old with their basketball and sleep with their basketball, I'm told, <laughs> at night. So uh, hugging their basketball. So as a basketball fan, uh, that's, there couldn't be anything better. Yeah, over 1,000 basketballs. It will be well over 1,000 after tonight. Uh, Grant, uh, thanks for this and uh, look forward to the event this evening. How can the uh, general public, we've got something kind of special for folks uh, to bid on if they, they want to come down and uh, help us out that way as well. No, we we actually have raffled off already the uh, Matthew Perot jersey. What? Uh, yeah, that went that went during the during the height of the uh, whiteout uh, excitement there. Uh, so it's just coming down and enjoying a great game and really uh, supporting inner city kids who really need it. The adults are five bucks to get in the door, and it all goes toward the kids and to heart research, of course. And students are two bucks, and children are free. How can you tell I missed the last meeting? I was on holidays. <laughs> Grant, we'll see you tonight. You bet. Thank you very much, Greg, and thank you, uh, CGOB. Dr. Grant Pierce, thank you for joining us, organizer of Hoops from the Heart. And once again, this is happening tonight, University of Winnipeg Duckworth Centre. 6.15 p.m. is the men's game. 7.30 is the women's game. Universities of Manitoba versus Winnipeg. Uh, I got to tell you there, Greg, when you do that, that what thing, the the octave level at which he reaches, it can rival that of Mariah Carey. Well, uh, I hope I didn't break any glass. That was, that's nope. a long no, time. No, I'm, I'm marveling at it. <laughs> it's a long time thing between me and my Johnny, uh, buddy Johnny in the Okanagan. It's just kind of, uh, kind of one of our uh, telltale expressions between one another. So, No, I love it. I, I, hey, I, I salute you. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.